Good morning. Uh, I will, not to repeat everything Jason said, but I know that sometimes whenever Saturday comes or another day comes and you had all these plans of being a part of something and you wake up and you're tired and you're like, I can't do it today. I will just suggest that maybe the enemy just doesn't want you to do it today. Maybe we press through that, right? I woke up this morning tired myself. I'm meeting with a few of us are meeting with uh, some pastors this afternoon. And I woke up tired and I thought, man, I wish this was another day. And then I sat there and I thought, wait a minute. That's going to be one of the greatest things I do all day. Why would I want it to be another day? But being that I was tired, I was going to let that block knowing that that's going to be pretty awesome. So, uh, okay, so we're mostly going to be in John 14 today. And uh, I, I think this will be a quick message today, but I'm going to start out by telling you a story. Because uh, we all like good stories, and um, most of you guys won't know the guy I'm going to talk about. So, Ariel, Will, and maybe Elise and Jason. But anyway, we we uh, a few years ago, well, I'll back up even further. In the mid-90s when I was in the Army, there was... Uh, I was stationed in Macedonia for a peacekeeping mission, and uh, this ain't a good war story, nothing like that, so don't get your hopes up. They they gave us these systems that would track you where you're at, and uh, they were trying to figure out, like, if, if a unit gets lost or, say, a plane goes down or anything else, how could they better locate where they're at, right? And so they gave us these units to check out. My job was to carry these units, figure out where the... Uh, how well they worked and give them feedback on how well they worked. One system was called a 9-11 system. And so it worked off a satellite to track where you're at, right? And then the next system was called the GPS system, which also worked off a satellite and tracked where you're at. So we're in this, in the middle of nowhere, Macedonia. Most people can't even locate it on a map. They don't have a clue what it is. They just think that, you know, there's a Macedonia near Greece because it says it in the Bible, uh, so we're testing these two units and uh, the GPS unit we all hated it right we hated this unit because it would get you somewhere within a kilometer of where you were at it would locate you about in that area and you could look up a, 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 a coordinates and it would get you close within about a kilometer and if you don't know what a kilometer is it's about six tenths of a mile Right, so that's quite a far way away. So if you got lost and somebody's looking for you, they're going to have to go probably about a mile and a quarter around in a circle until they found you, and that's really hard to find somebody in that kind of place, especially in the woods. And there was a nine eleven system which could get you somewhere between like three and four hundred meters, which is, if you include the end zones, is about three football fields, right? And uh, so. We're testing these units, and they ask us, and the officers were like, oh, GPS is quick, but it's not accurate. It's a horrible system. And then 911 system should be what you go with, even though it's harder to use. If perfected, it'd work great. And uh, th- that story actually got me in trouble later on. But it, uh, So that's where I first learned about GPS. Now, fast forward several years later, about 12, 13 years ago, actually 
probably closer to 14 years ago now, a group of us from this church were going to Kansas City to the International House of Prayer. Uh, Brad, Rodney, and a couple guys from the uh, Job Corps. And we're heading to Kansas City. I know how to get to Kansas City. I've been to Kansas City. I am really good with directions, right? So I, and I say that, going to Kansas City, you don't have to be that great with directions. It's a straight shot. Uh, but Brad had this thing called GPS. I knew GPS was out and people were having problems with GPS. And I said, GPS is the worst system out there. The, they only went with it because it's cheaper. That's my mindset, right? Because I had bad experiences with GPS. And so Brad puts in the, he said, well, my wife and I use it all the time. You know, we, we went down to IHOP here recently, so it's already, it saves it in my system. So he types in IHOP and it brings up the address and he puts it in and I'm like, I don't like this, man. He's like, yeah, we're just going to go this way. This, I was like, no, that's like, that's not how you get to Kansas City. I said, that, that sounds more like you're heading to Southern Missouri, not to Kansas City. And he said, no, no, we go this way all the time. We just bypass St. Louis because it's quicker. And I'm like, I don't know how bypassing St. Louis is quicker. But hey, I don't know. Like, you know, it's his car. He's driving. At least in that moment, he's driving. And uh, so we take off and he's going. And I, the whole time I'm skeptical. I'm like, wait a minute. We're not getting closer to St. Louis or to Kansas City. We're going south. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what you're doing here, right? And he, uh, so we keep going. He goes, no, trust me, brother, trust me. This is quicker. I'm like, it is quicker because it would have cut about an hour and a half off of what I would have, would have took me to get there. Until we get into Sparta, or Sparta, Missouri. And if anybody knows anything about Missouri, Sparta, Missouri is almost to Springfield, Missouri, which is heading south in Missouri instead of heading west in the north part of Missouri. And so finally I say, hey, pull over, you're lost. And he said, I am not lost. I said, you are lost. We are heading either to Branson, Missouri, Springfield, Missouri, or Arkansas, one of the three. But we are not heading to Kansas City. And he stops, he pulls over, he gets in his GPS, and he goes, oh, my bad. My wife and I, when we went to Branson, Missouri, we stopped at IHOP, the International House of Pancakes. So here he is, he brought up International House of Pancakes, not International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And I said, man, you took us way out of our way. And so he said, I'm going to put in the address for International House of Prayer, and we're going to go that way. And I said, no, <laughs> we're not. I'm just going to drive there. So I took over, right? And uh, so I say that so we could, uh, it is a funny story. And, and as I said, it almost got me in trouble one time. This has nothing to do with the message, but the the nine eleven system and the GPS system, a couple of years back, I was... I don't even know where I was at, but I ran into a couple who helped design the GPS system, right? And uh, which was kind of different because I don't even know how we got to talking about GPS, but I told them that I thought the GPS system was a worse system than the 911 system. And uh, and then that's when they told me, yeah, we worked on it. <laughs> I was like, oh, but they agreed because I didn't understand satellites, all that. They they had the technology that 911 didn't, but. They didn't have the satellites, so yeah. Either way, that's what almost got me in trouble. Has nothing to do with the message, but uh, sweet couple, very smart, and uh, 
But learn to know your crowd before you talk to them. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to go to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you that you love us, God. I thank you that that you would just be here with us, Lord. I pray that you would uh, you would just speak through me, God. That you would guide this message, Lord, and that it would be uh, it'd be your words, not mine, Lord. And change every heart in here, including mine. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Normally, we hear this this message and we think about this, and it's all about salvation. And uh, I will say that Matthew seven thirteen, I believe, just tells you where you start with salvation, right? We know Jesus is the way. We know he is that gate. But it says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road, and that leads to destruction. Many may enter through it. So we know that if you just go through, you're not going through Jesus, you're going any other way, you're leading down a road that will take you to nothing but destruction, just like we were heading a complete wrong way. Right, And I will tell you that if you know where you're going, there should always be red flags when you're going the wrong way. There should always be red flags, right? That's why I, even now, I prefer a map over GPS. And uh, I'm sure, Dave, you were in the Navy. Maps are so much better. You know, you can look at a coordinates and nothing can take you like there. It's guaranteed. You know where you're going. When you know where your destination is and you look at it and you see everything, you know exactly where you're headed, right? And uh, I still use GPS now because it's easier, which is probably a problem. Well, you can't find maps either. But he says, but small is the gate because it's one person. The gate is one person. That's a pretty small gate, right? And narrow the road that leads to life. A lot of translations, and probably the better translation would be straight as the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So when you enter into that road, enter through that gate, we are now on a road that we follow. A straight road. And where it should never be coming off of it. It should never be anything different. Kansas City was a straight road, and we went way out of the way. It took us about five hours longer to get where we were going, and maybe four hours longer to get where we were going than it should have. But the good thing is we got back on that straight path. And uh, so I'm going to talk about that today. We're going to go to John 14, and uh, we're just going to look at this because the Lord's been speaking a lot to me about how we live our lives and how people uh, perceive it. So John 14, verse 1 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. I love this part here because if you just read John 14 and you don't read everything else written, you're like, okay, I won't let my heart be troubled. Remember, he ain't writing this to us. He wrote this at that moment. He's speaking at that moment to the apostles. After he just told them, okay, guys, here's the plan. I'm going to be taken captive. I'm going to be killed. One of you guys is going to deceive me and turn against me, and the rest of you guys are going to turn against me also. You guys are going to leave me. And he just told them that, and then he's like, but don't let your hearts be troubled, right? So 
Whenever he says, let your hearts not be troubled, it's not like with us. We're like, oh, I'm going through a rough time. These guys just were told everything you think you're following, it's about to change. Everything that's about to happen is about to change, right? And I, I can't imagine, I would imagine these guys are like, easy for you to say, right? You know the plan, we don't, even though he told them over and over, right? It says, believe in God, believe also in me. And uh, some people would try to say that look, there's two ways people translate this. Uh, the way the, um, most of the old te- old. Scholars would always t- say this is this is a commandment. Believe in God, but also believe in me. Right? And he, he's saying it. Believe in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself and where I am, you may also be. And... uh this is a, there's a lot to that. We know that this is dwelling places. Uh, some scholars will tell you that whenever that very word can mean a temporary place, uh, it can also mean a permanent place, and I believe it means a permanent place here. We're not going to go to heaven and then keep going further and further uh, where we're at. We're going to be with Jesus forever in that. And uh, And this is also off of, you know, back in the, uh, ancient Jewish times, whenever a couple would get married, the, the groom would go and prepare the place at the father's house and then come back and get the bride later. After the father said, hey, it's ready, it's good, it's time for you to go get your bride and bring her here and make a life. Right, and so that's kind of what he's referring to here. Then he says, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, and this is why I always love Thomas. Like a lot of people are like, man, Thomas is an idiot. I think Thomas is one of the most honest disciples there were because he said what he actually felt instead of acting like he was like, oh, okay. You know, Peter like argued with him. Thomas is like, no, I don't get it. Like, this doesn't make sense. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And that's... uh. Three years they were with Jesus, and he keeps talking about going to heaven, having to die, having to pay the way, you know, making a, uh, I am the Savior, I'm going to make a way back to the Father, you know, all this. He said it over and over and over and over and over and over, and he, and then Thomas was like, what are you talking about, right? Because that's often how we work, you know, and I can look at Thomas and say he doesn't get it, but... Jesus talks to me all the time, and I just don't get it until eventually something happens. I was like, oh, that's what Jesus was talking about, right? And that's kind of where he's at. Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so this is uh, my favorite part of all this text, when he says, I am the way, because he's pointing out, I am that gate, right? I am that gate. I am the truth. So whatever you've heard, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're doubting, remember I am the truth. Line up with me, right? Listen to me. There's nothing that happens but me. Like I am the truth. Like whenever you're doubting your life, whenever you're sitting around and you're thinking like, uh, I just don't know if anything good's coming of this. I don't know if, you know, I don't know where I belong. I don't know whatever. Jesus is the truth. 
He is the way and He is the truth. Whatever He says is true, and we only know the truth is if we're reading the map, if we're reading the Bible. Whatever it says in Scripture is true. Right? Sometimes we can get distracted, right? We put in an international house of pancakes instead of an international house of prayer, and we go the wrong way, and we can do that if we don't know our word. We can easily be deceived, right? We can even be deceived to the point that nowadays, just like most of us would much rather use a GPS than we'd rather use a map and find out the, the exact way, a lot of times we'd much rather hear what somebody else has to tell us than we would to actually search it out. Right, And if I read it in Scripture, and I find it in Scripture, and it's truth in Scripture, nothing you say can sway that, because it's in Scripture. But I have to know the Word. I have to know the truth to be able to where I can't be persuaded differently, where I can't get off path. And I'm not listening to somebody saying, well, yeah, but this. Right? So whenever a pastor comes to me or a person from another church, and they say, well, yeah, but we don't even need buildings. Because, you know, we are the church and God already took care of that. Yeah, but we still got to assemble together. We still have to gather together. We still have to, you know, be one as Jesus and and the Father are one. And so if we're not coming together, it doesn't have to be in a building necessarily, but if we're not coming together, there's a problem. It doesn't matter what you've been told. It matters what the Scripture tells me, right? You You can't sway me from what Scripture says. And then he says, I am the life. And uh, sometimes we we don't know what our purpose is. We don't know why we were created. Sometimes we're sitting around and be like, there's just nothing. I, I don't even know why I'm here. And Jesus says, look at me. I'm why you're here, right? You need to find your purpose in Jesus. You need to live for Jesus. Everything, if, if our whole lives were based on Jesus, then you have purpose. You know why you're here. Like, you may look over at somebody else and be like, man, they're rich. And you're like, oh, yeah, but I got Jesus. That's my life. I live my life for Jesus. I don't have a problem, right? So he's our way, he's our truth, and he's our life. Okay. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yet again, that narrow gate. And uh, and I'm going to say this. Like, sometimes we like to live our lives and say, oh, man, I got saved. I'm a Christian. I walked through that narrow gate. And then we just go on, like, wandering around, doing whatever. There's no purpose and there's no straight path that we're following. We're not going towards Jesus. We're just kind of randomly doing life and hoping we make it to the right place. We got to go through him. We have to follow him because if he is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life, that means everything is based on him, and he is that straight path to Jesus or to to heaven, to the to the Father. Right? We can't just randomly make it there. It doesn't work that way. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. I'd imagine that probably hurt a little bit. Like if you would have known me, you would have known my Father also. But then he says, from now on, you know, you do know him. And you have seen him. And so as we we get to know Jesus better, we, we start living for Jesus, we start pursuing Jesus, we start living through the scripture, we start pursuing the uh, God the Father, Jesus in prayer. If we start doing that, we know God the Father. Because we are now intimate with Jesus, we're living for Jesus, we see everything with Jesus, 
And as you do that, you're, you, you're right with God. You're with God. And it, uh, it can happen right now. I mean, he's saying it. To me, that's a, man, what a blessing. He goes on, he says, Philip said to him, so now Philip's like, I'm going to try this honesty thing. And he says, Lord, show, the, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. So Jesus just said, if you know me, you know my Father. If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. And then Philip's like, yeah, okay, just show us the Father. We're good, man. Like, we don't need anything else. And I'm just like, he just told you, right? Jesus said to him, I have been with you for so long. And you still do not know me, Philip? I'm, I'm still the same way myself. I can walk with Jesus. I can do everything. Sometimes I'm like, am I where Jesus wants me to be? Am I, you know, we, am I, what, what's my, you know, am I all right with God? And it's like, if I'm walking with Jesus, I'm all right with God. With God the Father. He said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is, I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So he's saying, look, I've told you, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if that's not enough for you, look at the things that have happened. Right? Look at the things that have happened in your lives. So sometimes we can get distracted by, do I belong to Jesus? Am I in the Father? You know, is he in the Father? And we, we, we studied yesterday in uh, John 17, he, he goes right through the same stuff. Uh, just as you and I are one, let them be one, right? Let them be one in us, just as we are one with each other. And, and it's the same, same concept, and he said it five times in 17, and I don't know how many times in this, but over and over he's pointing the same thing out. Because it's very important to remember, if we are one with Jesus, we are one with the Father, we are in him, and we are now one, one with him, and we can live in that. If I am pursuing Jesus and I'm following Jesus and I'm on the path towards Jesus, I am one with Jesus and I'm where God wants me to be. And I should be, I can walk in that. But if I'm walking around randomly and I'm not on that path and I'm not following Jesus and I'm not pursuing Jesus and I'm not living for Jesus, then I got to stop and think, how do I get back on path? Why am I not heading to where I'm supposed to be heading? Right? What's going on here? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these that will he do, because I am going to the Father. And sometimes people are like, wow, he healed people, he did this, how are we going to do more than that? Well, it's not, when he says greater works, he's not like, you're going to do far better miracles, He's saying there's a lot of you, and you're going to do something awesome. I'm going to be able to do more through you than I could on my own because you're the body. And we see this very thing in Acts. As soon as the day of Pentecost happens, 120 people sitting around, Holy Spirit comes down, and everybody watches what the Holy Spirit is doing in these people. I mean, they gathered as one. And the Holy Spirit was able to use them as one in a way that he could not do 
like that Jesus couldn't do as one person because he was going to use the whole body. He probably could have, but it wasn't the plan. So on that day, more people came to Jesus Christ than they did any time whenever he was speaking. Right? They didn't do anything different. God's still in charge. God's still doing it. The Holy Spirit comes down, lights them on fire. People watch what's happening in them. They want to know what's going on. Peter gets up, starts speaking. The greatest thing Peter ever spoke in his life, probably, because usually he was getting in the way, but now he understood. And he's saying, look, guys, there's something better. 5,000 get saved. 5,000 men, we don't know how many women. Right? 5,000 men are saved. Go on a little bit more, 3,000. And then the church just starts multiplying in record numbers because... He said, greater things will you do. But it's not us. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. I I love that scripture. We pray that a lot on Thursday night over in uh, Evansville because Emilia brings it up a lot. Whatever you pray in my name, I will do. Well, why are we not praying for God to do miracles in his name? Why are we not praying for God to save souls in his name? Why are we not desiring the things of God, whatever he's promised us? And he says, hey, the harvest is plenty. If we pray that and we pray in Jesus' name that we would just see this great harvest and we're praying it for him, not for our selfish reasons, he'll do it. Whatever you ask my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I believe that. I really do. I just got to get better at it. Okay, so going on, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, this is part of that walking down that road, right? I, it, one of the trendy things, and I do believe it's mostly true, but one of the most trendy things in churches now is there are no rules. As soon as you're saved, there are no rules. And that's tr- sort of true. There is truth to that. You're no longer under the ruling of law because you've been, you've been over, you're now under the shadow of grace, right? You're in, you're in God. You're, but here he says, if you, Love me, you will keep my commandments. He's not saying you will obey the law. He's saying if you love me, you'll live the way I'm telling you to live. If you love me, you will follow me. If you love me, you will do the things that I'm telling you to do. If you love me, just get on this path and follow me. That hurts. Because I don't always love him enough to do it. Right? But if we love him, we do it. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you the helper, another helper, to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And we know the word there for helper is paracleto or however you say it, the paraclete. He'll come alongside and, uh, he helps. He guides us, right? And, uh, that's how all this is going to happen. As we as we follow the Lord, as we're in Jesus, as we're we're following His commands, the Holy Spirit is in us and guiding us and helping us, and He's doing a great work. It uh, 
anytime something amazing happens just out of on a whim, usually it's because the Holy Spirit's guiding you, and you're like, wow, I didn't even expect that to happen, you know. I went over to Walmart to get some uh, copies made yesterday, and while there, I got to minister to two different people that I didn't, I was going in just to get paper, right? That was my thought was, I'm going to go get this so we can go talk to people, right? Holy Spirit said, hey, I'm going to slow you down, and you're going to talk to some people here because that's why we're here, right? But if I wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit, if I wasn't pursuing the Lord, I would have missed those opportunities. I got to pray with one. I got to minister to one. So it was all while waiting for things. You know, we wanted to, I wanted to come out here and do it in the community, and God's like, why, why are you putting a limit on me, right? So the Holy Spirit can do things if we just pursue the Lord. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is why I don't ever understand how people think the Holy Spirit's not moving today. If Jesus tells me he won't leave me as an orphan, guess what? The Holy Spirit didn't leave me. He's with me. Jesus can't lie. I will come to you. And it says, yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He loves saying that a lot, and I like it. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who, I, who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And... I will tell you this, a lot of times people are like, well, you know, just because I'm not doing what God's telling me to do doesn't mean I don't love him. And I will tell you the very definition of love is selflessness. Like you cannot be selfish and be having agape love. Agape love in, in 1 Corinthians 13 tells you it does not, it's not self-seeking, right? It, uh, so anytime it, it becomes about us and not about him, we have to check ourselves, right? And it, uh, so sometimes we don't want to do what God's calling us to do, or we may be like, well, I just need to take a break. I need to relax. And, and we do need that. But Jesus also said, you know, and, and God said, rest in me, right? We can rest in God. He'll bring us rest. And, uh, and he'll tell us when we need to rest. He'll tell us when you need to stop. He'll tell you that if we're pursuing him, We don't have to manifest our own rest. We don't have to manifest our own plan. We don't have to sit around and try to figure out how we're going to do everything. Instead, we're just following, and the Holy Spirit does it. What a blessing. Whoever has my uh, commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by the Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. And I, I... it almost seems like there's a stipulation there. He who uh, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by the Father. So if we love Jesus, we can be loved by the Father. And sometimes people are like, well, God's love, how can he not love me? I will tell you how that's possible. If I try to give Tracy $100 and she doesn't take $100, I could not give to Tracy because she would not take it. And if I do not love Jesus, I do not have a way to the Father, and the Father cannot love me because I don't 
through Jesus, I'm not with the Father for him to give me love. The only way God can love me is if I'm there for his love. Right? So whenever it says in Scripture, Jacob he loved, Esau he hated. Yeah, he hated Esau because Esau wouldn't receive his love. It was impossible. You can't receive the love. If you're not willing to receive the love, he won't force it upon you. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him again, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And he will come to him and make our home with him. He says a lot of this over and over. Jesus just kind of repeats himself over and over in the scriptures, right? You keep my word, listen to what I tell you, my Father will love you, and you're one with us. And I, 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 I don't know, whenever you read how Jesus speaks, usually he repeats himself a lot because it's important, right? But it's keeping that word, living according to his word. It says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. As the world gives, do I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And yet again, this is a very troubled group he's speaking to. Their whole way of life is about to be wrecked. They, they were messed up group. They come to Jesus, and their life gets on track. They see all these miracles, even though they're you know, being persecuted and all that. They have a joy. They have a peace. They have, a, they have something that they've waited their whole lives for. And Jesus said, now it's going to look different. And I think as Christians, a lot of times whenever things start looking different, we don't like it. And Jesus said, hey, yet again, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be within you, right? And he's telling them, do not be troubled. Trust me. Trust me. And so as we walk towards Jesus and we stay on that path, it is going to be hard. I know it's going to be hard because Jesus said it's going to be hard. He said they will persecute you. He said there will be troubles. It'll be rough. And actually, whenever you start studying the narrow path, the narrow gate and the path, um, whenever it talks about that straight road, it's actually called a constricted road. It'll be pressed. It's a pressed road, which means there's going to be on both sides, things will be coming against that road. And as we walk with Jesus on both sides, we're going to be pressed. But you know, if you're being pressed and you don't just give in to that pressing, you'll just keep going. And you'll get past that pressing and there'll be another and you'll just keep going. And the Holy Spirit will be there. He'll keep you protected. He'll give you peace. Right? And He will keep you like you on your own. We cannot, we have no possibility on our own not to have a troubled heart. But we do have on our own the ability to seek Jesus and follow Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will come into us and comfort us and give us peace. And all that that great fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, every piece of that comes within us. And the only time that's not in us is when our flesh gets in the way and blocks it. It's the only time it's not showing up. 
But if we would just stay and focus on the Lord and pursue the Lord, I'm tell you what, if a whole congregation of people, the whole body of Christ, as, as if we were one, as He is one, and we go down that road together, and the Holy Spirit can use us. I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm going to tell you what, He's going to show off. It's going to look a lot better than any of us ever know. It's a plan our brains can't even comprehend because we don't see it. But God has a plan, and He's going to do something. It says, You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. That's, that's weird to me. Like Now we rejoice at what Jesus did. I can't imagine at that time he expected them to rejoice that he's about to die, that he's about to leave, right? Because in their mindset, they still don't got, quite comprehend this resurrection thing. Yeah, he says, you should be rejoicing in what I'm doing. And I believe, no matter what we're going through, if we're walking that straight path, we should be rejoicing at all times. Right? Jason got up here and rejoiced over getting to go out and and minister to the community, even though nobody came through the door. Right? But he still rejoiced because he's doing the will of the Father. And if we would rejoice over his will being done, he'll take care of the rest. Right? And worship team, you can come on up. And now I told you, before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. And that is a challenge to me. So the ruler of this world is coming, yet he really has no authority over me, but I'm going to submit to the Father's will. Now let me tell you something. Trouble is going to come for you. Hard times are going to come for you. They have no authority over your life. They have no way to control you. They have no way to speak against you. But they're going to come for you. Right? But he said, but I do as the Father has commanded me. And if we just follow that path when trouble comes, and we follow it and we follow it, the next part happens. It says, so that the world know, may know that I love the Father. If you want the world to know you love Jesus, you will follow Jesus. If you want the world to know that, the Father, that God, who God the Father is, who our Savior is, it takes following Him no matter what. And doing His will no matter what. And being where He tells you to be no matter what. Right? And uh, I, I, I think of this, and I, I look at what He's saying here, and I ask this question. If somebody followed you around, not today, but tomorrow or Tuesday, when you woke up in the morning and they followed you around like a private investigator, what would they learn about you? Where would it lead them? 
That's what I want to know. Like, if they're investigating you and they're researching you, and a good private investigator takes notes and they start breaking stuff down, and they're like, okay, he has this pattern, he's into this, this is his characteristic, he's this kind of person, this. What would they learn from you if they followed you around on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday? They would learn something, I just don't know what it is. And I wonder that about me at times. If they're investigating me, shouldn't they realize I'm leading them to Jesus? Shouldn't they realize I'm on that path towards Jesus? But sometimes I don't think they do. Sometimes I think they they learn maybe where I work. They may learn like, I don't know, I have a sarcastic sense of humor. I don't know. They may think I like to hang out with some people. But I don't know that they always are led to Jesus. And if we're walking that path, it should only lead towards Jesus. It's all they should see, right? And I'm going to close with this part here where he says, Rise, let us go from here. I think that's what we do. We rise and we go from here and we follow Jesus. There's no reason from this moment forward we can't walk that path and whoever's watching is led to Jesus. Whoever is watching. Our family, our friends, our enemies, right? If, if the big government's truly looking in on us, I hope they are and we lead them right to Jesus. Right? I don't care who it is. They should always be seeing that we're heading to Jesus. And if you want to see the world change, he said you will, this, they will know you by the way you love one another and the way you love me. That's how it happens. We follow the Lord. We do his will. We love one another and we do it in unison. And the world will be like, what's going on over there? Right? So I'm going to close this in prayer. Brian will sing. If you need prayer, we'll pray. But I hope I hope you pray. I just, I don't know. These things really have been hitting me lately. So, Father God, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, Jesus, that you came and you made a way for us. Lord, you emptied yourself, as your word says. Lord, you said you emptied yourself and you became man to live for us. And then you died for us, Lord. And I pray, God, that we would be willing to do the same for you, Lord. That we would empty ourselves. And we would live for you. And ultimately, when it's time for us to pass and die, Lord, we'll die for you. Lord, I pray you would have your will in us, Lord. That you would have your way, God. I pray that the road that each of us would walk, Lord. If we would walk it together, we would walk it in you, Lord. And it would lead others to you, God that we would not go to the left, we'd not go to the right, Lord. And it would always be focused on you, Lord, that we would know the way is you, Lord. We would know the truth is you, God. Nothing would come against your word, Lord, and we would never be distracted by what somebody else says to us. And Lord, that our lives would be in you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I pray you would just minister all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. do that i just want to say that uh 
We live in a society where we have uh, lots and lots of self-help books. And we have, you know, they sell books all the time to like, you know, get rich quick or, you know, five easy steps to do this or, you know, how to live the Christian life this way. Or, you know, there's books like a good title will sell a book real quick, right? It's usually how can I get what I want really fastly. How can I do this better? And they write stuff to tell you how to do it better. And I'm going to tell you, uh, if you're sitting here and you're thinking of all the things you need to do to be walking that path, I'm going to tell you the only thing you need to do is when you wake up tomorrow, is pray and say, Lord, help me walk that path. Help me stay on that path. Holy Spirit, help keep me on the straight path. You just start praying every day and you start trying to walk that path. And I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be hard at first. But once you get walking that path, it gets to be really easy or easier. And then after a while, no matter what happens, your mindset is focused on walking that path. Your mindset will be staying on that instead of what your mind's set on now. So the best way to get out of doing what you've always done just do what Jesus told you to do. Right? There's no five easy steps. There's nothing. It's just follow the Lord. Wake up and follow the Lord. And uh, guess what? You're not going to be great at it at first. But we have a good, good Father. And tomorrow you get to wake up. Today you get to do it. Tomorrow you get to wake up and follow the Lord. And then whenever you mess up, you go right back to following the Lord if you mess up. Hopefully you never do, but you probably will. I do all the time. And then guess what? The next day you get up, you follow the Lord. And then the next day you do the same thing, and you do the same thing, and you do the same thing. And it's just a never-ending, I'm going to follow the Lord. It's not a it's not a one-time decision of, oh, I was saved whenever I was 12, so I'm good. No, it's, he said, walk it out, is what Paul said. Walk it out every day. Walk that path. And uh, so I'm going to close some prayer. I love you all. So, Father God, we thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray you help us. Holy Spirit, guide us. Lord, you gave us this great helper. So, Holy Spirit, I pray you would keep us on that straight path, that you would help us pursue you, that, that nothing would be more desirable to us than being in your presence and following you, Lord. So, Lord, I thank you. I love you, Lord, and I pray you be with each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.